that I'll be reading this evening. Once again, that's 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. This is the eternal, inerrant word of God. do apologize for those that did come out this evening, especially for Pastor's Ecclesiastes series. He began that last week, and I believe he's planning on uh, continuing that next Sunday evening. But this evening, as Pastor Dave just read, we're going to be studying specifically just three verses, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. Specifically, this is focusing on the prophet Elisha's call. I know for myself it's always fascinating to trace themes or patterns through the scriptures. If you trace maybe just a word or a phrase through the scriptures or um, doing a character study. And I know one fascinating theme that I've always enjoyed tracing through the scriptures is the call of God on the life of, of an individual to follow him or to serve him in a specific way. Many call stories could be mentioned. And many of these would be familiar to you. If you think of Moses, he's called to lead the people of Israel in the midst of a burning bush. Or Joshua, who is Moses' assistant, is called to lead Israel into the promised land. You think of David. David was the youngest of his brothers, and he was called by God to be king over the land of Israel. You think of Jonah's call story. He was called by God, and he ran the complete opposite way. Maybe one that's not as familiar, but I like it. Amos's call story, the prophet Amos. In Amos 7, 14 through 15, he actually tells us how he was called by God. And he says, it says this, Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. As we think about call stories, you think about Samson, Jeremiah, and even John the Baptist, who we could say were called in the womb. Their parents technically received their call into ministry. You think of the disciples. When we come to the New Testament and the disciples, their call stories are laid out for us, or at least several of them are. We think of Peter and John. You think of Matthew, the tax collector. We get their call stories specifically to follow Jesus in his ministry. You think of Paul's call in the New Testament, and in several places, and especially Acts 9, we get his call. And we can mention many more. The call of God on an individual's life is all throughout the Scriptures. 
God calls his people to follow him and even further calls them to serve him. And when we think about ourselves, I would say that each of us, if you are saved, have received a call on your life to believe in Jesus Christ by God. The outward instance of this call may have been dramatic, or maybe it was simple and calm. Maybe it followed a traumatic experience in your life or many years of rebelling against God, or maybe it was when you were four years old, like my own testimony. Either way, you have experienced God's call on your life. Another call that one could have even today is the call into ministry. You may have heard pastors and missionaries say, I felt called to serve in such, a, such and such an area, or I was called into ministry. And in our passage this evening, we come to the call of Elisha. We do not know if this begins his following of God or if he was already a follower of God, but on top of this, he is called into ministry. He's called to be a prophet of the Lord. And we can learn lessons from the life of Elijah of his, and his call concerning both the call to be saved and the call into ministry. We see Elisha's name first is mentioned in Scripture in 1 Kings 19, 16. Specifically, the context is God is calling Elijah to come out of his defeated and depressed state of mind to be used to accomplish his plans. Part of those plans involve Elisha. So if you'd look with me uh, a little um, before our passage this evening, if you look with me at 1 Kings 19, 15, we see the first instance in which Elisha is mentioned. 1 Kings 19, 15 says this, And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And then it says this, And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Maholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. So Elijah the prophet is called to raise up a replacement, and he is told exactly who God has in mind. Elisha. Why Elisha? Who was Elisha? Did Elijah already know Elisha? Was Elisha already faithfully serving the Lord? We're not told any of these details concerning Elisha. If we take... Or this evening we're going to be looking at the call of Elisha and we've already read this passage through together and what we're going to be doing this evening is we are going to literally take this verse verse by verse or phrase by phrase to consider Elisha's call into ministry and this is even connected um, this morning we looked at Ahab's life and we saw that this was a passage in which the prophet Elijah was a part of this evening, again, Elijah is a part of this story, but our focus and our emphasis is going to be on specifically Elisha. So as we consider this text, as, our, as I just said, our focus will be on Elisha. So our theme for this evening is Elisha's call provides us lessons concerning both the call to be saved and the call into ministry. We're going to see Elisha's call provides lessons on both the call to be saved, and the call into ministry. So first, as we turn to this passage, the first thing we see in this passage is Elisha is found by Elijah. If you look with me at 1 Kings 19, 19, it says this. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. 
So Elijah does exactly what God had commanded him in verses 15 through 16. Again, we're unsure if Elijah and Elisha already knew each other. We're not told, and I don't think it's hinted at in this passage. So this may have been the first time that Elisha and Elijah had met. Also, we can see no information is given concerning Elisha's spiritual state. We don't, we don't necessarily know where he's coming from. Um, we certainly could take some guesses either way. But we, are, we can tell that Elisha is said uh, to be plowing with oxen. So he's either a farmer or he's been hired by a farmer. So we can see what his profession was, what he did to make a living. And though we can see he's not already giving his life for the Lord, so we're not told much about his spiritual state, but we can see he's not in full-time ministry yet either. He's working as a farmer. Interestingly enough, Elijah would have certainly had experienced a three-year drought on the land being a farmer. So again, I've already said this, but we don't know his spiritual state. But if we think of what's already taken place in the few chapters that we have of Scripture before this, there was a three-year drought in the prophet Elijah's life and ministry. Back in 1 Kings 17, Elijah declared to Ahab that there would be a drought or that there would be a famine. And the fact that Elisha was in Israel and he was a farmer, this drought would have certainly impacted his living. This farm in Elisha's living would have certainly been affected by the drought upon the land of Israel. They may have gone without produce for a period of time, their wages may have suffered, and their families as well. So was the significance of the drought being an act of punishment clear to Elijah in the farm that he worked on? Again, we can't be sure, but he certainly experienced the effects of Elijah's ministry, and they would have experienced the blessing of rain that came after the competition on Mount Carmel. So we can conclude we really do not know much concerning Elisha's prior state, specifically if he had faith in the Lord or not. Next in our passage, we see Elisha is called by Elijah, 1 Kings 19.19. It says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the twelfth. And then it says this, Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. So Elijah finds him, and now he goes past him and tosses his cloak on Elisha. And for us, this isn't normal. This isn't something that we've seen done in our life. But it seems to be symbolic here of Elijah calling Elisha to follow him, to become his disciple, to become his apprentice. And this is made clear in the the next verse in Elisha's answer. We see Elisha answers Elijah in 1 Kings 19, 20 through 21. It says in verse 20, And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him, and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them, and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, and gave it to the people in the eight. So we'll break down these few verses into several smaller sections. But think about what's going on here. Think about the suddenness of Elisha's call. Not necessarily for us. We saw this coming back in verse 16 in that Elijah was called to raise up Elisha. But imagine for Elisha. He's out working in the fields. He's probably sweaty. He's probably dirty. This is looking like any normal day in the life of Elijah. 
and here comes a man in a fur coat and a leather belt. Imagine the confusion and the wonder at Elijah just appearing that would come to those who were in the fields with Elisha. Especially if they knew who this man was and what he had just been through on Mount Carmel. And maybe even the word of the queen's threat against Elijah had reached their ears. As far as we can tell, Elisha would not have seen this coming. The suddenness of the call makes it even more amazing how Elisha answers. If you look again at the beginning of verse 20, it reads, And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Elisha literally drops everything and runs after Elijah. He asks to say goodbye to his parents, and then he would go after him. These words that Elijah says, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you, may sound a bit familiar. And that is because they are found somewhere else after this, and actually a couple of hundred years later, after this incident with Elijah took place, a similar thing happens with a man in Jesus. So I'd invite you to turn with me. You can keep your finger here in this passage as we'll be flipping back in a few moments. But turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Luke 9, 57 through 62, and we see something very similar happens with a man in Jesus. And again, Elisha says, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And we see something very similar in the life of Jesus. So read with me Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, and specifically when we get to 61, it will sound a little bit familiar to our account of Elisha. Verse 57 says this, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then here's where I want us to pay careful attention. It says in verse 61, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So in the first couple verses, Jesus, in these first two instances, is seeking to relay both the cost and the priority it takes to follow him. What we see here is Jesus stressing how those who follow him must be committed to following him. Jesus is stressing the dedication that it takes to follow him. In verse 61, what the man asks to do is quite similar to the words of Elisha. But Jesus' response does not necessarily address him directly, but Jesus seeks to stress the commitment and dedication it takes. So in light of this, we may ask, is Elisha's response to Elijah's call and ultimately God's call in his life a wrong response? Is it wrong for Elisha to say, I want to go back to my parents and say goodbye, and then I will follow you? Do we see Jesus condemning such a response? Is Jesus taking a negative view of the one who wants to first say goodbye to his family? And as we kind of compare these two passages, I believe what we see Elisha doing is actually a very positive thing. 
in that we see what he ends up doing. He wants to say goodbye as he is committing his life to serving the Lord. He's seeking to turn to a new life. He no longer would live as their son, as the son of his parents, as he once did. He would no longer be living under their roof. He would no longer work in the same work, but he is abandoning this life to follow Elijah and even more so the Lord. Elisha responds just as Jesus says one must. Our text in Luke 9, I would say, relate. They connect and they agree with each other. Elisha's response is one of complete abandonment of his prior life. He's saying goodbye to his parents as he knows that he is moving on to another life in which he no longer will be living with them or seeing them. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is trying to say in verse 62 to this follower. Again, in verse 62, it says, Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So in Jesus saying this, I don't think he's condemning the response of the man who says, let me say farewell to my parents. I think he's trying to make this guy realize the commitment that it takes, that once he turns to Jesus, he needs to continue in this and not turn back. He's saying that there should be a complete commitment in the life of a follower of God, not looking back on your prior life, wishing you could go back. And we see Elisha does exactly what Jesus says one should do a complete commitment to God, and a complete abandonment to one's prior life. Elisha's response shows his willingness to accept the sacrifice of giving his life for the Lord and his work. Elisha is dedicated from the start. So if you turn back with me to 1 Kings 19, we'll continue on to verse 21. So 1 Kings 19, verse 21. We've just seen what Elisha's response was and now I think we can see so too. His actions illustrate his complete abandonment of his former life. As it says in verse 21, And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Two things stand out as we read over verse 21. Considering Elisha's abandonment of his former life and the new committed life to the Lord. First, the fact that he destroys his way of living. If you see what he says, if, if you see what he does again in verse 21, it says, And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen. So he literally takes his tools that he used in the field and he makes an altar out of them. He literally burns up his tools and the ox. He got rid of them showing that he has no plans to turn back to his former way of living, to his old career. He's done. Secondly, we see he worships God, again, as it says in verse 21. And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh. So we see he worships God. He makes a sacrifice in verse 21 as he makes an altar and makes a sacrifice to the Lord. Elisha is proclaiming his allegiance to the Lord. He's showing that he serves God. So Elisha's answer, so when Elijah calls Elisha to follow him, we see Elisha's answer is one of complete abandonment of his former life before serving the Lord and one of complete commitment to the Lord. Next we see Elisha follows Elijah as it says in verse 21. 
And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. And then it says this, Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Elisha was going to be following and training and learning from the prophet of the Lord, Elijah. And even more so, he was giving his life for the Lord. But if you consider the implications of such a close relationship with Elijah, Elisha was not doing something that was easy nor simple, but he was asking for a life of possible hardship. Consider this concerning Elijah's life and ministry. Elijah was the most wanted man in the country. He had offended the queen. That's who Elisha's following. Elijah had lived a life of travel, not really having a home, having to rely on God ultimately, but he had to rely on ravens to feed him, on a poor widow to provide for him. That's who Elisha was assisting. On top of all this, contrast Elisha's life Quite possibly his father owned this farm that he was working on. Elisha would have then come from a very wealthy family, which he would have had what he needed and wanted. And now he was turning to a life that was not comfy. Elisha is giving up the familiarity of living with his parents, those he grew up with and loved to be with this man he may have never met. Elisha signs himself up for this life to serve the Lord. Elisha accepts a life of danger, a life of unknowns, a life that may be uncomfortable, a hard life to serve the Lord. And this certainly is not to make the life of serving the Lord sound terrible, as it certainly had its rewards. If we consider Elijah's life, he was able to communicate the word of the Lord to others. He was in communication with God on a regular basis. He was able to see the mighty ways and the works of the Lord. He was able to see the Lord provide in very unexpected ways and for unexpected people. He was able to see how the Lord's plans overrule man's plans. He grew in his relationship with the Lord. So certainly there there were some drawbacks to following Elijah, to following the Lord. But I would say the rewards way outweighed those hardships. Elisha was going to be able to experience all that Elijah had experienced. Elisha was entering a relationship with God that trumped all the pleasures and all the riches that the world could offer. So as we consider these three verses, I'd like to now turn to some application as we think about our lives. I'd like us to consider uh, two areas in specific that we can draw lessons from. The first is the call to salvation. We can learn from Elisha's call. And then secondly, I'd like us to consider the call to ministry that we can get from Elisha's call. So first, the call of salvation we'll consider first. Consider the complete abandonment and complete commitment that is involved. Elisha completely abandoned his former life, while he's completely committed to his new life in serving God. Now, if you have been, been a Christian for any length of time, it should be clear to you by now that this is not instantaneous. You don't automatically become fully committed to the Lord. You still have struggles along the way. We do not become perfect. We do not always serve the Lord faithfully every single day. We have struggles just as we saw in Elijah's life in this chapter already. But Elisha should be a reminder to us of what we should be striving for each and every day. We should be striving to live a life that is more committed 
more faithful, a life that is pleasing, a life that is more pleasing to God. I think of some New Testament passages. You don't have to turn there, but consider and just take in the words of several of the, the New Testament letters that speak of putting off the old self and putting on the new. Ephesians 4, through 24 reads, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3.5 uses the same terminology as it begins by saying, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then in verse 12 it says, Put on, and it goes on to list many qualities and characteristics that a life that has been saved by God should have. Even Pastor Reed in his study of Romans as he preached several weeks ago in Romans 13, 14, it says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. That should be what we're seeking to do every single day. We should learn from Elisha's life how we should be responding to our call each and every day to strive and labor and battle to live a life that is more committed, more devoted, more faithful to God. And we realize as the scriptures make it so clear that this striving, this laboring to live a life that is more pleasing and committed to the Lord is not done by ourselves. It's something that we need to continually look for strength from the Lord to help us and to provide for us. So firstly, we are challenged to strive for this with all our might, but at the same time, with the same amount of effort, praying to God to help us and to provide this for us. As we consider the call to salvation, consider the sacrifice. It may be a sacrifice to turn to the Lord. Just as Elisha gave up his career, his familiarity, his comfortableness, his possible wealth for a life that could be hard and painful at times, for us, the sacrifice that is involved in our relationship with the Lord could be maybe giving up things that we enjoyed in the past. Maybe past sins, past treasures, past activities, past relationships. But the sacrifice is worth it, as we saw in Elisha. The reward is so much greater. A life that is purposeful. A life that has a relationship with God. So we see Elisha's call in life should be a challenge to us to evaluate our life. Tonight, maybe tomorrow as you lay in bed, as you drive your car, go on the bus ride to school, as you get up in the morning, think how am I doing in my commitment to the Lord? Where could I grow? How should I rely upon the Lord more? What sins do I need to help with? Do I need help with? Elisha should make us consider our commitment to the Lord. The second area I'd like us to consider that I think is very applicable as we think about the Elisha's life is to consider from Elisha's life the call into ministry. The call into ministry. And when I, when I talk about the call into ministry, I'm talking about um, maybe one area would be those who serve full-time in ministry. If it be those who are pastors or those who are missionaries or even those who serve in a Christian organization. And as I thought about this, I think another call into ministry that's shorter, um, but I think is 
can connect well with this is even as we consider our teens serving at summer ministries in the summer, if that be Victory Valley or Pinebrook. I think that could relate here as well. But as we think about Elisha's life and the call to ministry, maybe the first thing we have to say is we realize this isn't for everyone. Elisha's life can be viewed in general, as we just did in a call to serve the Lord. That is for everyone who is saved. But specifically, Elisha is called into a life of full-time ministry, being a prophet for the Lord. As we saw, he, he actually destroyed his tools to serve the Lord. And it's clear from Scripture that not everyone is called into full-time ministry. But Elisha can teach us lessons for those who will or for those who are in ministry. Maybe the first thing we have to consider is, am I called? This might be a question maybe more so for teens, for kids. Is God calling me into ministry? Teens and kids, have you ever considered that question? Maybe as you think about what you'd like to do when you get older, is the Lord calling me to serve him full time? And again, not everyone's uh, call will be obvious like Elisha's. It might be a process over many years. It might be through events or someone's affirmation or experiences you get. I know for myself, it was only after I served at Victory Valley. And as I um, spoke at an Easter sunrise service that I first thought about being a pastor. And I actually um, weighed the option of being a missionary as well. So it might be something that, that happens over time. It might not be immediate, like Elisha's call. Second, we can consider the commitment and the sacrifice it takes. Maybe it's not giving up a family like Elisha or leaving an area your parents live but it very well could involve that, to move to a different city, a state, or even country, as we especially think of missionaries. The sacrifice of giving up familiarity like Elisha by having to move to pastor somewhere else, or to live somewhere else to share the gospel. The sacrifice is not knowing what's next. Maybe you feel called, but you're left in a limbo without a job. You kind of see that in Elisha's life. The future was unknown. The sacrifice of pleasures of this world that maybe even other Christians get. The sacrifice of time, expectations that others are not expected of. So just like Elisha had to sacrifice a lot, we see those that are called into ministry might have to sacrifice as well. Third, consider Elisha's start to serving the Lord. Think about Elisha's start. Would you say it was a glorious thing? At first, maybe it was, as it was something new and sudden. It probably was exciting. But we are even shown in our passage, as we look back at verse 21, we are told that Elisha assisted Elijah. He did not lead. He did not do amazing works. He was not in charge. He could not decide what to do next. But he was in a low and a humble position of a follower, of an apprentice, of someone in training. He seems to accept it. He was teachable. He was humble. This is a challenge to those who are just beginning in ministry. Continuing on in this point, 2 Kings, and you don't have to turn there, but 2 Kings and in the third chapter, it says of Elisha that he washed the hands of Elijah. At least for me, this doesn't sound like a glorious or enjoyable thing. Elisha may have been wondering, I was called to wash hands. Is this really serving the Lord? And at least we can see from the start of it, it may not be the most thrilling or exciting thing. Elisha was called to serve where God had for him at the time. And as for now, as far as we know, he was faithful 
in it. And I would say this is a challenge to those that are thinking about ministry, maybe uh, even for young pastors, for new missionaries, to be faithful in the beginning of their service. And this leads to our last point. As we consider what Elisha can teach us about the call to ministry, we can see Elisha had a successful ministry. And we certainly can't look at all the passages, but Elijah had a ministry Elijah had a ministry that was quite long, and a lot of things happened in it. And Elisha, who we're focusing on this evening, we can see had some of the same exact things take place in his life. We can see Elisha stuck it out. He did things he may not have expected. He listened and trained and followed. Elisha ended up serving in the place of Elijah. As I said, he had similar experiences as Elijah. And we can see that his earlier faithfulness paid off. And again, an application for those that are considering ministry or in ministry. This should be a challenge to those going into ministry and at the start to be faithful in the beginning when it may not be your favorite or you're still figuring out what you want to do. So as we consider 1 Kings 19 verses 19 through 21, we see Elisha teaches us two things concerning calls in the life of a Christian. He teaches us great lessons concerning the call to salvation, specifically challenging us to be committed to the Lord. And then he also, secondly, teaches us lessons for those who are called into full-time ministry. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the, just the way in which you communicate to us through it for the lessons that you teach us. And Lord, we thank you uh, for characters in the Bible. And Lord, there's certainly some characters who we learn uh, things that are helpful for our walk with you. And there's certainly characters that are examples of what not to do to serve you. And Lord, I thank you for Elisha. And as we think about the call in the scriptures, Lord, I just thank you for the way in which you have called us to be your people. Lord, thank you for the call to salvation and for working in each and every one of our lives, and it, it may have been different. It may not uh, have been as sudden as Elisha's call. But Lord, I thank you for working in each and every one of our lives for those that are saved here this evening. And Lord, I thank you for the call to ministry, for those that you raise up to serve you full time. Certainly that's not to, to put them above other Christians in any way. But Lord, I thank you for those that have been called by you to serve you in full-time ministry like Elisha was. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to take some of these things that we've learned this evening and help us to be able to apply them even tomorrow as we go into our lives. And God, I just pray that you would teach us from this text. And, and Lord, again, I, I pray for Pastor Reed and Bonnie. And I thank you just for the rest of the family, uh, for all those um, that are related. And Lord, I just, I pray even for Pastor Dave and Sarah, and Lord, I pray that you would just watch over them in this time, that you would just be with them, and Lord, really comfort them. And just, I pray that ultimately uh, your will would be done, and that you would be honored and glorified. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.